Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana K. White. I blog over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process. As I figure out ways to keep my own home under control, I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people who don't love cleaning and organizing. Thanks for joining me today. This is podcast number 215, and I think I'm going to call it Decluttering Momentum, Decluttering Chops. I'm not really sure exactly how most people define the word chops, but I'm thinking like, this is something I've got down. I've got some decluttering chops. I don't know. Maybe it means something I don't think, but that's what I'm going with. Before I do that, though, I just want to remind you again that this is my next to last podcast before I take my summer break, my summer sanity break. And my best advice to you, um, I will have a post up on the blog that'll kind of say, hey, if you're looking for some ways, you know, things to look at, things to read, um, things to listen to, go check out my YouTube videos, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. That'll be up there when I go away for the summer. Um, But I do recommend that you subscribe to the podcast while you're over there. I'd love it if you left a review. But um, if you subscribe to the podcast, then that means that when I come back in August, even if you're kind of in the middle of things, it will just pop up in your podcast app that there's a new podcast available. So anyway, before I do that too, though, I want to make sure that... I tell you about my books because for some of you, you might be like, oh, there's no more podcasts. Well, this is a great time to listen to the audiobooks. Okay. Uh, so I have two. One is Decluttering at the Speed of Life. One is How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind. How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind is for the person who's completely and totally overwhelmed, doesn't have dishes or laundry or anything under control that takes you from totally, completely overwhelmed to, okay, I've got this. I can do this. Um, decluttering at the Speed of Life is applicable to anyone and goes through my decluttering process and applying it to the different areas of your home and all that. Anyway, um, here's a email that I got recently that I was very appreciative to get. Um, and it says, okay, she's talking about podcasts. I only copy pasted. I missed some of it. Anyway, she's talking about, you know, having found my podcast that I listened, hopping around from one interesting podcast title to another, I kind of got the system. There were some things that I didn't quite fully understand, particularly what constituted a duh. She said, I know that sounds silly, but remember I was bouncing around the podcast episodes. I didn't think I would ever buy your books because I'm irritatingly cheap that way. I totally understand that. And to be honest, I felt as though you'd covered everything pretty well in your podcast. What else could there be? But you mentioned seeing if my local library owned them. Voila, my Hoopla app had the audio versions of both How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind and Decluttering at the Speed of Life. I binge listened to both over about five days. The book's real value is the way they synthesize the information in ways that are so, so helpful. The steps were clarified, but also the mindset change that is needed. Yes, I was deeply humored by the fantasy versus reality intros at the beginning of each chapter. I now clearly understand what constitutes a duh, how important it is to start with trash and easy stuff, and the importance of daily tasks. But I'm still shocked at how resistant I am to start decluttering or a daily task because I presume it will take. Anyway, she goes on to say that she actually took my advice, which I've given here, but also in the book of, um, timing it. If there's something that you absolutely hate doing, just do it once and time it. It's going to give you a much better perspective. The example I always give is emptying the dishwasher. I would have assumed that took 15 minutes or an hour or forever. I hated it so much that it just felt like it took forever. But when I timed it, I think it was 
three minutes at the most, maybe three minutes and 58 seconds, something like that. I don't remember. But when I timed it, I realized, oh, this is actually a really short task. And it completely changed my perspective on doing this thing that I hated because I was like, oh, well, it's actually only a four minute task or a three minute task. And then I'm just kind of freed from that idea that it's going to take me forever. And it allowed me to fit it into times my day. This is me talking now. That was her talking before. Anyway. Okay. Uh, But I did want to tell you that because for a lot of you, maybe that would be something over the summer when I'm not podcasting. If you're, you know, this might be a time for you to um, check into that on your library's website, see if they have those or of course you can buy it. Okay. We're talking about decluttering momentum, decluttering chops, meaning building your decluttering skills. I talk a lot about decluttering momentum. And when I say that, what I mean is when people get inspired to declutter, this is one of those things I know because I talk about decluttering and people tell me they're decluttering woes and dramas and all that kind of stuff. The thing is when people start thinking about decluttering, same for me, the tendency is to fixate on the thing that feels the most difficult. The thing that you know you should probably get rid of, but the thought of getting rid of it makes you panicked and you fixate on that. Or maybe it's fixating on the craft room or the storage shed or something that you know you're going to have to deal with one day. But the the problem comes in when you want to declutter, you know you need to declutter, you're frustrated with your clutter levels in your house, and you focus on that most difficult thing. And because of the focus on that most difficult thing, you don't get started because it just seems so daunting that you can't do that. So where decluttering momentum comes in is my advice is don't start with that thing. Whatever it is that makes your heart palpitate, don't start with that thing. Okay. Acknowledge the reality that decluttering momentum is so real. It is such a thing, but it is something that I cannot, I'm never going to convince you it's real. You have to experience it for yourself. And if I'm wrong, the way that you go about trying to convince yourself and teach it to yourself is going to improve your house. All right. So even if I'm wrong and for you, decluttering momentum is not a real thing, your house will still be better off. Okay. Um, And what I mean is when you start with stuff that isn't emotional, that isn't overwhelming, and you go ahead and just get moving and doing something, then by doing that, one of two things happens. Either you start to live in your house with less stuff in it, you experience the benefits of having decluttered and you start to go, oh, wow, I really like having less stuff in my house. And then by the time you have gone through so many non-emotional things and you finally have nothing else to do and you have to deal with that super emotional stuff, that stuff is not as emotional as it used to be because you are now not only placing value on that stuff, you're also placing value on a decluttered home. And so that stuff looks different to you. And your emotional attachment is different. That's the kind of stuff I can't convince you is going to happen. But I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Make sense. But you can't know that until you get to that point. And you're like, wow, I really don't view this huge crib that I've stubbed my toe on 15 times, because it's shoved in the corner of this other room. I don't view this the same way anymore because I have experienced how nice it is to not stub my toe in other areas of my house when I got rid of stuff, okay? The other thing that might happen is you might free up enough space in your house to be able to actually store some of those things that are 
possibly things that you might need in the future. Maybe you declutter your house and you realize, why did I have a closet full of furniture refinishing stuff? Oh, it's because I thought I was going to be a furniture refinisher. And so I gathered all the stuff I might possibly need for that. And I did one thing and thought, well, this is not for me. And I forgot about it. And now I've realized that I've had an entire cabinet or closet full of supplies for this thing that once I'm decluttering, I realize I'm never going to do that again. I get rid of that. And now all of a sudden I have room to store the things that I didn't have before. Okay, so that's the basics of decluttering momentum. That's your, the reality. Go ahead and start. Don't start with the stuff that's difficult. Start with the stuff that's easy. Build that momentum. It will change your perspective. It will change your home and make it worth it. Right now, our sponsor, ButcherBox, is offering new members a free Ultimate Barbecue Bundle plus $20 off their first box. Celebrate the start to grilling season with one of their best deals ever. The Ultimate Barbecue Bundle comes with three grill-ready favorites, including baby back ribs, two pounds of ground beef, and two New York strip steaks. Plus, get $20 off your first box. Start your summer off right with this incredible deal. What is ButcherBox? Okay, well, so ButcherBox, let me just say that slowly so you hear me, ButcherBox delivers 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef free-range organic chicken, and heritage breed pork. Each box comes with at least 8 to 11 pounds of meat, which is enough for 24 individual-sized meals. You can choose from five different box types, all beef, beef and chicken, beef and pork, a mixed box, or a custom box, which lets you choose your own cuts. I love getting a butcher box delivery. These are high quality, delicious meats that my family loves and they're delivered right to my door. I personally do not live in an area where I have access to anything and everything. So I love that I can get what I need delivered and the meats come individually vacuum packed. So all I have to do when the box arrives is stick them straight in the freezer. I don't have to separate them or pack them or anything like that. The roast beef that I made for Easter was from butcher box and it was delicious. For the ultimate barbecue bundle, absolutely free in your first ButcherBox plus $20 off, go to butcherbox.com slash slob or enter promo code slob. That's S-L-O-B. That's two New York strip steaks, baby back ribs, and two pounds of ground beef free in your first box plus $20 off at butcherbox.com slash slob or enter the promo code slob. So the reason that I started thinking about this was, I know you guys are probably really tired of me talking about head surgery, like my kids. I feel like they've kind of finally come to this point. Let's see, it was five weeks ago yesterday, I had my surgery. And um, at about week three, my kids were like, oh my word, it's been like three weeks. And then they realized, oh yeah, mom's not really getting better. It's This really is kind of a bigger deal than they had assumed it was going to be. And now they're all very understanding again. But we did go through a little phase there where they were, I had to explain to them, you do realize if I had a normal job, I would not be back at work yet, right? Anyway, but about that, I am, for those of you, because I know so many of y'all have been so kind and sweet about it, but I am finally, finally feeling like I'm doing a little bit better. Like here I am at five weeks and I'm able to actually move around. I still am on my ibuprofen, my mega dose of ibuprofen. And when I am late getting that, which I just realized I'm late getting that, um, I do start to, you know, have some, uh, but it's not 
like it was even a week ago. So I feel like I finally have turned the corner. But, you know, Saturday was when I, the first day when I went, oh, I actually kind of, I kind of want to do something. I feel good enough. I want to do something. Well, I have to be careful. That's kind of where I am. And one of the reasons I'm being so careful is we do have a family trip planned a week from Friday. And uh, it has been in question whether or not I was going to get to go. So I'm like, I cannot overdo it. I cannot be like, oh, I feel better. I'm going to do all these things and then, you know, go back to being. Anyway, I was feeling better, wanted to do something. And so I was like, hey, what can I do that doesn't require any lifting at all? Like it's not going to have anything heavy in this space at all um, and won't require bending or twisting or any of that kind of stuff. Because that's the kind of stuff that I have to be really careful of because bending over is the thing that really set me back um, in about week three. Anyway, I um, tackled a paper collecting area that had been driving me bananas. So I was like, okay, here's some place where I can stand just right here and I can work on this. There's nothing heavy. I can get this space done. And as I did that, I just followed all my same strategies, you know, trash first, easy stuff, consolidate, you know, meaning I don't need six of these statements that I never actually even open. I don't need six of them. I just need one of them. So when I put them all together, it clicks in my mind that I guess I don't actually need them because I'm only really keeping them to have, you know, in case I need the account numbers and all that kind of stuff. So which I also set several things on my husband's computer and said, hey, see how it says go paperless here? Can you go do that and get that situated? Because he does all the bill paying, so I wouldn't know how to sign into those things. But anyway, um, so as I did that and I made this progress and I felt better about my space, it made me start thinking about momentum because there are some spaces. I'm looking at one right now. I'm in my room, my bedroom right now. If you hear banging around, it's my very sweet mother who has come down to help me for a couple days and she is working in my kitchen. And she said, Oh, I hope I don't make noise. And I said, if you make noise, and they hear it, I will just tell them I will just brag on you and say how great you are for coming down and helping me with this. But like, um, you know, as I'm in my bedroom, I look and there is a space that I have worked on many times, but it's kind of where some things got shoved in the midst of our remodeling and all that a year ago. And I've worked on it a little bit. And it's one of those places that's driving me crazy. But I can't right now, because it would be all bending over and lifting, I can't let myself do that. But it made me start thinking about, you know, when you do have to have help, when you do get to the point where you ask for help. I know asking for help with decluttering is difficult. And the reason I know that is in my own overly cluttered years, I would get help. You know, I I mean, (laughs) people who knew me well would know how bad it was. And they'd be like, let me help you. Because, you know, organized people, they love to help people like me. They want to solve all our problems, right? Well, I'd had some bad experiences with that. I'd had some great experiences. I'd had some bad experiences, meaning sometimes where people came in and they were super helpful and very kind and never made me feel bad. I had other times where people came in and were not as kind and did make me feel bad. The main problem was that I was never able to maintain anything because we weren't decluttering, we were organizing. And that meant I was staying over my clutter threshold, which I couldn't maintain any progress that way. But as I look at this, I go, okay, this is a space where legitimately, if I was going to tackle this right now, I would need help. So it made me think about those times of needing help. Sometimes you might need help because you physically cannot do the work right now. Maybe you have a chronic illness, maybe you're in a situation like I am right now where it's temporary. But The reality is there are times where 
you need help. And sometimes it's really hard to accept help, either because of past experiences where, you know, somebody came in and the things that they thought were important, you don't. And the things that you thought were important, they didn't. And then it caused problems and maybe you didn't really make a lot of progress. But as I thought about how if I was going to do this right now, I would need help. I need somebody else to be my feet. You know, that's what I would say. Feet are one of your main um, decluttering supplies. So you can take things there right now. Um, But I would need someone else's feet for that. So as I looked at it, it made me think about how important decluttering momentum is, not just in the ways that I've talked about, you know, already in the podcast today, but in the ways of building decluttering confidence. Okay. So I have so much confidence that my decluttering strategies work. Specifically, they work for me. I'm still amazed at how many thousands of people they also work for. But I know that this way of decluttering is the best way for me to do things one at a time, to never make a bigger mess, to take things where they go immediately. I know that that works for me and I know why it works for me. If if you give me a halfway done pile, oh, it's going to stay halfway done for a really long time and then collect a whole bunch of other stuff to go with it, you know. So I know what works for me. Perhaps you've read Decluttering at the Speed of Life. Perhaps this is your 215th podcast to listen to and you really fully grasp this whole concept, the whole process and everything. And you keep thinking, I really, really want, I wish somebody could come and help me, you know, be the feet or whatever. But what if they don't want to do things my way? I can't guarantee how anybody else is going to act when they come and help you. You know, I wish I could. But if there is a lot to be said for you to gain confidence before somebody comes and helps you, gain confidence by going through a drawer that you can reach that you can sit in a chair and work on and it's either going to be trash or it's going to, you know, like let's say it's your sock drawer, you know, gain confidence on that sock drawer, gain confidence on um, some space that you can actually in whatever state that you're in gain that experience of working through the process because I can tell you till I'm blue in the face, which I actually have in now what if there's 215 podcasts and they're all about 30 minutes, is that like, Is that a hundred and something hours of me talking? That's crazy talk. Anyway, I have spoken to you guys for a hundred and something hours on this subject. I can tell you exactly how to do it, but it is going to cement in your brain and you're going to have so many more light bulb moments when you actually do it. And that's going to give you that confidence. Then if someone is to come help you for you to be able to say, I have to do it this way. I just do. Okay. Now, along with this, if the person who is available to help you is extra difficult, um, remember the visibility rule. You know, my visibility rule is start with the most visible spaces first so that the progress you make is visible. Start with those visible spaces that are accessible to you that you can actually deal with. Maybe it's your dining room table. Maybe it's that place on the kitchen counter with the paper clutter, like what I dealt with. Maybe, you know, whatever. Keep that visibility in mind because then you're, you know, achieving two things at the same time. You are building your decluttering confidence and you're also building your decluttering credibility because it's a whole lot easier to say, 
didn't you notice that my dining room table is finally clear? Didn't you notice that? Well, yeah, I did. It's a lot easier to say that and say, well, the reason that's clear and there's not a bunch of piles around or there's not, you know, keep boxes piled up in the room. The reason that that is actually done is because I followed this process. That's why I need to follow this process. That That's easier to bring naturally into conversation. I sounded a little aggressive when I said that. Y'all feel free to sound aggressive if you need to. It's a lot easier to say that than to say, you know, when they look at you like, really, you have a decluttering process. <laughs> you know, if somebody looks at you that way and you have to say, no, you should see my sock drawer. It's harder to say that than it is to say, didn't you notice the dining room table? See what I'm saying? Because they probably did. If the dining room table is something that has been piled up for years and they come in and it's actually done, then that gives you that credibility to be able to say, this is the process I need to use. Again, I always tell you, blame that Dana lady too. No, you don't understand. I listen to this podcast and she's so smart. She's so funny. She's so cute. I'm just kidding. I'm really not cute at all today. So our sponsor Prep Dish is such a brain saver in my house. Prep Dish is a healthy subscription-based meal planning service with a unique twist. Like the prep part of the name points out, this meal planning service is designed for you to do all the prep work for your week's meals at one time in one to three hours to then make your week of home-cooked healthy meals so much easier and quicker to get on the table because all the chopping and stuff like that is done. I look forward to getting my weekly email from Allison with the week's menu, the instructions for the prep work session, and the recipes. Removing the thinking and planning from the process of serving my family healthy meals is honestly a big relief for me. And the best news is that listeners of A Slob Comes Clean can get a free two-week trial of Prep Dish by going to prepdish.com slash a slob comes clean. That's prepdish.com slash a slob comes clean for a free two-week trial. Now let's talk about our next sponsor, who is Carbona. Carbona has been helping people live life unstained for more than a century. Carbona offers a wide range of cleaning and home care solutions that deliver impressive results from specific stain removers for specific stain types to highly efficient products for your laundry, carpets, and washing machine. So because I am a mother, I had the perfect scenario to try out Carbona's Stain Devils this week. My son brought me a pair of his shorts and said, I have no idea how it got there, but there's a blood stain on the knee of these shorts. I could totally stress out over how the blood got there without him knowing it, but there was no need to stress out over how to deal with the stain. I think I said something like, oh good, I have just the thing that Carbona just sent me. Here's the thing about Carbona's Stain Devils products. They're specialty stain removers. This means they are scientifically formulated to treat specific stain types. There are nine total, and I used the one that was for blood, ice cream, and dairy. Thankfully, I don't need to know why those stains are grouped together. I just assume it has something to do with science. Yeah. Anyway, no two stains are alike. 
they all have different chemical makeups. So treating specific stains with specific formulas is better than a multi-purpose remover. The nine specialty stain removers come in small bottles and include all sorts of specific stains. One of them is for motor oil, tar, and lubricant. And another is for nail polish, glue, and gum. So all sorts of very specific things. Want to start living your life unstained? Shop Carbona.com with code CLEAN for 20% off your order. Again, use the code CLEAN at Carbona.com, that's C-A-R-B-O-N-A.com for 20% off your order. Okay, so you're building your momentum, you're building your skills, you're building your credibility, Okay, you're building your confidence. Decluttering is a skill just like anything else is a skill. There are people who are able to pick up a violin and make decent sounds come out of it. Those people still have to actually play and practice to get even better and better and better. But yes, there are those random people that you hear about or you see in the movies who can pick it up and make amazing sound. But that does not mean that somebody can't learn to play the violin. You can learn to declutter. There are people who are born not knowing that decluttering is something you have to learn. Okay, I'm not one of those people. My guess is you're not one of those people either. If you're listening to this podcast, it is something you can learn and practice and get better at. That's why I say practice with the easy stuff. You know, you don't that somebody doesn't give someone a I'm about to say, and I don't even know, does Tchaikovsky, did he write things? I know piano, and I was just using violin as an example, but I don't actually, anyway. Somebody doesn't hand someone Tchaikovsky, especially if it's only written for piano, (laughs) and say, here, play this on the violin. They just don't. You know, that's not what you do. You start with Three Blind Mice or whatever, which is a horrible name of a song. But anyway, but that's what you do. I mean, you don't start with this super most difficult stuff. You build your skills with simple things. The lunch making spot on the counter that's just a mess. Start on that. Get rid of the trash first. Move the easy stuff to its established home somewhere else, which is probably, you know, the counter underneath or whatever. Start with that and build those skills and then move on to you know, other visible spaces, and you're going to build those skills to where when you get to something harder, you're going to have the confidence, you're going to have the ability to do something. I mean, I've been in situations where I have been asked to teach something, you know, as a teacher, and or maybe like on a, I don't know, some sort of a mission trip or something like that, where they hand me something and say, Oh, I know what it was, I taught canoeing. (laughs) I taught canoeing when I um, worked at a camp in the summers as a teenager. And I taught canoeing because they needed someone to teach canoeing. And the director of the camp taught me what I needed to know to teach it in about 30 minutes before I taught my first class. Now, they all had life jackets, so we were good. But that's a time where I was barely holding on. I mean, like, I I can fake it better than most people can fake things. But that was a time where I was teaching them canoeing stuff. But I was like, if anybody asks any really hard questions, I am not going to know what to say. You know, I mean, like, let's keep this as surface level as we can. But then there's other things like theater, or now, strangely, 
decluttering, where I'm like, oh, I know this subject inside and out. I know every single scenario that can come up because I have heard it all and I have experienced it all. And I can't, you throw any question at me, I can give you an intelligent answer. But it's because those are things that I have lots and lots and lots of experience in. And so for you, don't discount the reality that having those experience, that experience is going to make it so much easier in the future, especially if you're interacting with another person who's supposed to be helping you. Okay. All right. Let's see here. Emotional momentum. Okay. And this is, you know, kind of what we were talking about before, but I want to go into it a little bit more. A lot of times those things that are so difficult, the thing that pops into your head as, oh my goodness, I can't declutter because I don't know what to do with the baby clothes. You know, I mean, that thing that comes up in your brain that is your roadblock, you know, this emotional roadblock. The reason that you have to tell yourself not to start there and to trust the power of momentum is that getting rid of non-emotional stuff is going to have an emotional benefit for you. Okay. So you may be stopped by the idea of what to do with baby clothes, if you should keep them or if you should make a quilt or if you should whatever. Don't start there. Go get rid of the empty chip bags in the lunch making corner. You know, what I mean, like on the, on the counter, go deal with that. The part that is like, well, duh, of course, I've got to do this. Sometimes you might call it procrastinate clutter, whatever. Deal with that. And even though that stuff is non-emotional, so you're able to work through the process without a bunch of angst and oh my goodness, you're just simply working through it. The benefits of dealing with that space are emotional. There is something that happens when even though you didn't really register the mess before, once it's gone, you register, oh, that looks so much better. Oh, my kitchen is so much easier to maintain. Oh, wow. There's a real emotional benefit from the fact that I have less stuff on my kitchen counters, which means that it's easier to wipe them down. And now I'm realizing how much of my resistance to that was emotional because I was like, I don't want to spend all my day doing wiping down the counters. And I'm like, well, it goes so fast that there's actually an emotional benefit to that. And having an emotional benefit, then you've got emotions to compare. See what I'm saying? Because where that stuff was not emotional, the benefit of getting rid of it is emotional. And now you've got this positive emotion to then compare with that negative emotion that you feel panicking over whether or not you should get rid of something. See what I'm saying? So like, here's the baby clothes and they're emotional to me. And the thought of getting rid of them makes me fear having an emotional breakdown. Okay, like if I'm going to get rid of these baby clothes, it's it's all going to be over. It's it's bad. But I now have this, oh wow, I have experienced the positive emotion of getting rid of easy stuff and non-emotional stuff. I like that positive emotion. Okay, and that is how it starts to change my perspective on those things that once seemed so difficult. Okay, because you've got two emotions to compare and you've experienced one and then you have one that you fear experiencing and it'll start to change how you look at that stuff that you used to be petrified to get rid of because you didn't want to have the negative emotions. Okay, so every time you hit an emotional roadblock, declutter something non-emotional. If that's the only thing you take from today, every time you hit a decluttering roadblock, 
especially an emotional decluttering roadblock. Declutter something that is not emotional to you. Declutter something easy every single time. So that's how you solve that problem. Well, I come to this one thing and I just don't know what to do because I'm so scared of how I'm going to feel. Go declutter something non-emotional. Hopefully within that same space, you're continuing to work on that space. But if you can't, then leave that space and go work on something non-emotional that's visible. Okay, that is going to take you so much farther. Also, remember, I really advise taking pictures. I would never have said this. Now, I'm not talking about, oh, just take a picture of the item and then get rid of it. No, that's not what I'm talking about, which is a a totally valid thing to do. But that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm saying is take pictures of the process, even if you're going to delete those pictures so that no one ever accidentally sees them on your phone or whatever. Take pictures at the beginning, take pictures at this point at which you have to step away because it's too emotional now. Take another picture and compare those two. Because when you compare the two pictures, you're going to see, wow, that looks better. And you're going to experience a positive emotion. And when you experience that positive emotion, it's going to possibly even right then change your emotional view of this item that was a roadblock for you. Okay, so taking those pictures to visibly see the progress that you're making, that will take you so far in decluttering momentum. Okay, especially on the phone, you know, at least on my phone. And I think most you can see exactly what time you took the picture. So I'm able to see, oh, I go back and I'm like, oh, I took this picture at 311 and this picture at 321. That was only 10 minutes worth of work. Wow. And then that builds momentum for the next time, because the next time I have 10 minutes available, I'm like, well, I can make a lot of progress in 10 minutes. 10 minutes is totally worth my time to start going through the decluttering process. Okay. Last, trust me when I say that re-decluttering is easier than decluttering. I never promise, oh my word, it says simple. Like that's the thing I try to try to never promise. Cause I know for a lot of us, it's emotional. This is tough stuff. Okay. But I will promise you that re-decluttering is easier than decluttering. First of all, acknowledge that re-decluttering is a thing, okay? People whose homes don't have clutter declutter a lot. They didn't do one decluttering session, got their house perfect, and then have never gotten rid of another thing. People whose homes are not cluttered declutter consistently all the time. They don't have to be told that re-decluttering is a thing because they've never thought that you could ever be done decluttering because you can't. So know that you're going to have to declutter a space later anyway, which means that if you leave that super emotional item or those, if you get stopped in a space and you can't keep going, as long as you've gotten rid of trash and gotten rid of easy stuff and done anything, that space is better off than it was before and you've made progress, and you can step away because you haven't made it a a bigger mess, then when you come back to that space, it's going to be easier. Okay, you know, simply for the fact that when I come back to a space, and I look at something that I just thought, oh, I can't get rid of that. I really might need that someday. I would so regret getting rid of that. That would be so, I think I would cry my eyes out if I got rid of that. And I would probably wake up in the middle of the night so sad that I'd gotten rid of that. And then I come back in six months or a year or two years to the same space. And I see this item that I was so angsty about before. 
And I realized I've never even thought about that item in the last six months or a year or two years. Like it's never even crossed my mind. And suddenly it's not emotional anymore. Okay, so re-decluttering is a thing and it's so much easier than decluttering because too, let's say that I hadn't touched this cabinet in five years. So it's got five years of stuff collected in there. These are all pulled out of my head numbers, okay? And so I have to deal with five years worth of stuff when I come back to that space again in six months, it's only six months worth of stuff that's added on to the space that I had decluttered before. So it's not as much, or it's only a year's worth of stuff or two years worth of stuff. So decluttering is easier than re-decluttering. And if you get stuck, if you get stuck someplace, remember, every time you hit an emotional roadblock or any roadblock, declutter something non-emotional. If you hit a roadblock, go declutter something easy, something that doesn't make you feel paralyzed. Go do that. And as you get stuck and you can't go on any farther, go and re-declutter another space and experience how much easier it is for you to deal with a space that has been decluttered before and experience that feeling of, oh, I was really worked up over this. And now I realize, oh my goodness, there's nothing to be worked up over. Okay. As you do that kind of stuff, it's really going to change how you view things. And you might, in a best case scenario, maybe you would be able to go back over and go, okay, yeah, this thing over here is comparable in emotion to this thing over here that, you know, turned into a roadblock. So now that I'm able to get rid of this thing because I'm re-decluttering and I'm realizing I haven't even thought about it in six months, now that gives me a different perspective immediately on this thing over here that was a roadblock. If that happens, great. But even if it doesn't, your house is better off. And that's the goal, right? Is to remember that anytime something leaves your house, you have successfully decluttered. Whether it's trash, whether it's donations, Whatever it is, as long as stuff is actually leaving your house or honestly even going into its final real home, you've successfully decluttered. Okay. And that's the goal here is for you to successfully declutter. Got it? Okay. I am going to quit there. I hope that's been helpful. Just remember, decluttering momentum is a real thing. And I can tell you, but give it a shot. Even if your goal is to prove me wrong that decluttering easy stuff won't make it easier to declutter the hard stuff eventually. Even if your goal is to prove me wrong, your house is still going to be better off if you've gotten rid of easy stuff. If all you ever do is deal with the easy stuff because you can't get ever get to the emotional stuff, your house is still going to be better off than if you just never did anything because the thought of eventually getting to the emotional stuff made you too scared to even get started. Do the easy stuff first telling you. It'll make a huge difference. All right. I also want to make sure that you guys know here is we're in our next to last one before um, summer starts that I would love for you to be part of our Patreon kindred spirits group. We have a um, truly lovely group of people who are very supportive of one another and encouraging. And I will tell you, I only listen. I only mention this on podcasts because I kind of at one point thought, oh, I'll probably mention it everywhere. And then I thought, no, it's my podcast people who really, truly get like the real struggle, (laughs) like who fully understand and also really 
are into the whole entire process. And so I just love, I call it our kindred spirits group. So if you want to join that, you can become a patron of the show. And one of the benefits of being a patron at the $5 a month level is that you get invited to this totally secret Facebook group. And when I say secret, it's kind of a pain to get people into it. If you are a patron and you've never gotten your invitation, it's because you haven't filled out the form. So just email me and say, hey, I couldn't find the form. It's there within Patreon once you um, are a patron at the $5 level. But anyway, just go to patreon.com slash a slob comes clean. Okay, I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.